hello, welcome to part two of my daily thoughts. Uh, While well, I speak about something instead of writing about it, and hopefully a lot of people sleep better for it. Uh, my first part seems to have got the 9320 account restricted so on Twitter, so expect it to be wiped completely by the end of the week. I do apologise. Was it something I said? I mean, this is what happens when you criticise Liverpool in any shape or form. I'm sure the death threats will be following soon after, but more on that later. Or maybe not, maybe for another day. Now I'm still going to be talking about the weekend's events as a lot happened. To be fair, a lot happened in just one game. I'm starting with something so stupid and imbecilic, if that is a word, I don't think it is, that I really shouldn't waste breath on it. But to be honest, I love talking about occasions when those who talk about football come up with a suggestion so stupid it takes the breath away. Have you worked out what it is yet? Well, let's start with a loosener, an old classic, before we get to the main course. And of course, who else to return to other than Piers Morgan? Because that old trope dribbled out his mouth at the weekend, namely that if Pickford had done that in the street, he'd be in prison. Now he would, of course, but that's by the by. Sometimes, someone will say something so stupid that even though I write a lot, I cannot articulate in words or speech why it is stupid. It's stupidity on a level that goes beyond comprehension or description, causes a glitch in the matrix. I mean, why would Jordan Pickford be trying to block a shot in the street? And if he was, why would that be a criminal act if he got it wrong? Oh, I get it. Piers Moron thinks it's assault. My, there really is no word for that level of stupidity. But elsewhere, there was more to come. Because you see, Liverpool have been wronged. Liverpool are not used to being wronged. So the media industry's wheels rolled into action and are still hurtling along the misinformation highway as I type as I speak too. City fans will know all about this. One of those other teams is wronged and with the use of Sky Sports News and others a campaign begins for justice. A campaign that goes on and on and on and on. And Ariston. And about three people probably understood that reference. Anyway, what was the latest stupid angle? Namely that a player that injures another player should be banned for the length of the injury. Yes, people actually think this is a good idea. First up was Mark Bosnich, and to be honest, I can ex- accept ex-players with the brain speed of a drugged sloth talking rubbish, but sadly he was not the only one to express this opinion. Oh no. Because what then happened was one of those moments you dread. That moment when someone you respect comes out with a terrible, terrible opinion and an awful hot take. Never meet your heroes, they say. Well, I met Michael Palin once, and he had a heavy cold, but it was still lovely. As was Tim Booth, who had no cold whatsoever. Maybe we shouldn't listen to our heroes either. Well, Julian Leron is not my hero, but I did respect his views and what he says. And then he came out with the same opinion as Mark Bosnich, and I cannot comprehend why he did. It's like the opposite of Piers Morgan dilemma that many of us have experienced this year. You see, for many of us, we felt a tad dirty and compromised because Piers Morgan spoke a lot of sense about the government's actions regarding coronavirus, despite talking absolute drivel the rest of the time and whilst clearly being a reprehensible individual. The feeling is similar when someone you like goes rogue. To repeat the blindingly obvious to those that must struggle to get dressed in the morning, a bad tackle can leave an opposition player uninjured, whilst a harmless tackle could damage a crucial ligament. The look of the draw should not determine bans for footballers. Bans should be handed out according to the action itself, irrespective of the outcome to opposition players. It's called common sense. And what constitutes a bad tackle? Where's the line drawn? Ricarlison's tackle on Thiago had more malice perhaps than Pickford's which was just an inept attempt to block a shot. So why would Pickford serve a 10 month ban 
or longer, and Richarlison a three-match one. Hey, you could even have tactical injuries, keep your reserve left-back out longer than is necessary, and pretend he's still injured when he is not, in order to prevent a rival star player playing. What if the player never comes back from injury? You ban the other player for life? I mean, legally, it's not enforceable, I imagine, and he's of course so stupid, and now we regret spending three minutes talking about it. But it is quite funny. But ex-players continue to be given the exposure to make such views public. Loads of clicks are made and we sink further into the abyss. And it's sad, it really is. Just look at the standard of football discourse now. What is on my Twitter timeline? The views of Piers Morgan and Bar- Mark Bosnich because it gets the reaction, because it's carried by accounts with huge influence online. And so we spend a week discussing their idiocy and whether Sergio Aguero is a sex pest, instead of looking back on another wonderful weekend of delicious Barclays Premier League action. Well, apart from West Brom versus Burnley, obviously. Stupidity rules. The idiots have a louder voice than ever. As I've just said, what gets more attention online? Someone saying Jordan Pickford meant to block a shot on a three-match ban is sufficient, or someone saying he should be banned for life? Which gets the most responses? We all know the answer to that. Still, maybe it's not that bad an idea for Bosnich et al. Because now Trent Alexander-Arnold can have a retrospective one-season ban for the injury he inflicted on Leroy Sane in last season's Community Shield. Agreed, Liverpool fans? Yeah, thought not. OK, that wasn't the worst of tackles, let's be honest, but the argument is clearly without merit. It would end tackling completely and would fracture the transfer market as he wants to sign a player who could get banned for you at any moment for trying to win a tackle. And it's bad because there's no way to draw the line on what crosses a line from slightly bad tackle to bad tackle to outrageously bad tackle. It's just a whole new line of arguments. We can't even draw lines for offside. We've got no chance with this. But my key wonder is this. Have Julian Luan and Mark Bosnich always had the view that players that cause an injury should be banned until the injury is over? Because weirdly enough, I've not heard them mention such a viewpoint before. It's almost as if they've developed such a view quite suddenly due to the injury to a big name that plays for a specific team. Perhaps serious injuries don't matter as much, nor bad tackles, when the player on the receiving end isn't of the required quality for hot takes from pundits and ex-players. In fact, there's no maybe about it. Anyway, there's one more thing I want to talk about today, a bit left field, but something that popped up on Twitter a few days ago and got me thinking. I was going to go on for a while about Liverpool's now five-day bout of whinging because some things went against him in the Merseyside derby, but we ain't got the time. And are we remotely surprised? No, of course not. Maybe I'll return to it later this week. Now instead I want to talk about fan channels and how fans react to them. And more video channels more than audio stuff. There's little more tiresome than fans telling other fans how to act or how to make a living. But I'm going to be something of a hypocrite by naming a couple of examples anyway. I'm going to be tiresome. And they popped up in discussions because of the latest batch of fans reacting to goals and getting ahead of themselves. Namely a pair of Spurs fans and the most Irish of Liverpool fans. This is just one more tragic consequence of VAR, the premature celebration, followed by a fall back down to earth. It really needs to go, both VAR and the video celebration. Anyway, first up, I go to a match to watch the football. Controversial, I know. I expect those around me to be doing the same. Now, being a grumpy middle-aged man, I get annoyed just by having to stand up to let someone pass to go to the toilet or the bar ten minutes before half-time. This is the life of someone who sits near the end of a row. Some of the bladder control of fellow middle-aged men around me is disgraceful, I cannot lie. They need medical help. But anyway, with that annoying me, I certainly am not going to be happy with some guy, and it's always a guy, filming himself reacting to the match events as they happen to further their online profile at a later date. Like one of those Arsenal TV guys has done in the past, and probably still would. 
if he could get in the ground. It would chip away at my legendary patience. Just watch the game. My problem is that so much of it is clearly fake. I do wonder how many of those reaction videos of the Aguero goal against QPR in 2002 were actually filmed live. Not all of them, I promise you. I mean, why would you be filming yourself watching that match? It makes little sense to me. Anyway, for the current crop of wannabe YouTube stars, they all know that getting a reaction is key. I truly believe many will happily see themselves embarrassed if it went viral. They're actively trying to get memed. What a strange world we live in. And I often wondered what sort of people watch a person watch a match. I couldn't understand it in the past, but that was probably because it was always Mark Goldbridge, if that's really his name, appearing on my Twitter feed. And I found it embarrassing. I don't want to go in on anyone. I have some respect for someone making a living out of the sport we all love so passionately, grudging though it may be. But it can be annoying. But I get it now anyway. We're global, the sport is, our connections are. Football has always been a social event for me. It's been about the pub and the crack, before and after the game as much, almost, as it is about the game itself, almost. And whilst I haven't watched every game by myself this season, I know this is something that I will have to endure a good few times this season, because of the situation we all find ourselves in. And whatever the situation, even if there wasn't a global pandemic, many can't go to a match, many don't have someone to watch the match with, or a pub to sit in with friends. They don't have that social interaction and the experience across the day. So how nice to share the experience with someone and chat during a match. To watch along with others without drama, shrieking, but just as a communal event as sport should always be. I think it's nice. What I can't stand is those that literally exaggerate their reaction to everything that happens during a match for extra effect. That aren't interested in watching along with others. Are just there because they know they can get hits. Those that are glaringly aware that the camera is on them. One big account in particular springs to mind. Reactions they would never make if sat at home without a camera. And if that is how they would react without a camera, they need help. But it works. At the end of the day, I spent 15 years at least shuffling paper around a desk for little money. I would love nothing more than to make a living out of the one thing I am most passionate about. Football. I still wouldn't do what some of these fan channels do to get themselves heard. But I understand why others would. There is a living to be had talking about football. And that's fair enough. You know, it's not that bad after all. It's a different world now. If you don't like certain types of content you can avoid it easily enough anyway so that's it for another day here's hoping that city do the business against porto tonight or yesterday depending on when you listen to this or last week i could mention the newest breaking news about the super league plans but it's also predictable isn't it eventually the likes of united and liverpool will get their way even if it's an expanded champions league and city will go along for the ride sadly because they will not want to miss out it's depressing but it's the future united have 450 million pounds of debt They've lost 70 million due to coronavirus. They are not the top dogs anymore. They need it, and eventually they'll get it. Because it's a classic tactic of suggesting terrible ideas before reaching a compromise that is in itself terrible, but feels good compared to what was originally suggested. Anyway, take care, have a great night, and hopefully I'll be back with another mini-podcast soon.